You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wood. And I'm Jennifer Connor. From Equestrian Businesswomen, and you're listening to Equestrian B2B, the podcast that brings together industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and equestrians for conversations about how they build and sustain a successful business. On today's show, we speak with Julie Browning-Bova and her daughter, Madeline, about interior design, customer service, and the mother-daughter work dynamic. Julie Browning-Bova is an interior designer and product designer, well-known for her equestrian-inspired aesthetic and classic style. Julie, with her own highly successful design business, Julie Browning-Bova Design, as well as JBB Commercial Design, offers her clients the utmost quality products, space planning, and design, all stemming from her years of experience as a respected interior design professional and product designer. Timeless, elegant, and classic are words that describe the style of this sophisticated designer from the Midwest. She found her love for design at a young age, in large part thanks to her father, the late James E. Browning. A graduate of Indiana University, Julie enjoyed researching and studying interior design, graphic arts, and art history. Her career began early at her father's prestigious architectural firm. Having the opportunity to travel around the world, Julie's rich life experiences influenced her designs to shape her distinctive points of view, giving her a greater appreciation for different cultures and their influence in global design, architecture, and art. Using her experiences as a touchstone for inspiration, along with her passion, love for horses, and the equestrian lifestyle, was inherently a part of her design aesthetic. Backed with many exclusive high-end vendor relationships, Julie and her team deliver superior design expertise on every project, from Michigan to Florida, including luxury apartment spaces, residential homes, beachfront properties, and metropolitan landmarks. Most recently, she added the Cake Bake Shop by Gwendolyn Rogers at Disney's Boardwalk, opening 2024. In 2011, Julie launched her first furniture collection, Julie Browning Bova Home Collection for Stanford Furniture. Julie has had great personal success balancing family and four beautiful children, many pets, as well as horses. Madeline Bova Balagar was born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana. She's the oldest of four children. Madeline pursued her degree in business management at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. After graduation in 2015, she started her career in human resources with Simon Property Group. Over the next five years at Simon, she predominantly focused on corporate recruiting and learning and development. In the fall of 2019, Madeline joined her mom and sister at Julie Bova Interior Design as business operations manager. She has been excited to learn a new industry alongside family, and it has given her the opportunity to have time to start her own family. Madeline married her high school sweetheart in August 2020. They welcomed a son, Wes, in March 2022. Working for her mom has allowed Madeline to continue her passion and love for horseback riding while also balancing being a new mom. Hi, Julie and Madeline. It's so good to have you on the podcast. I'm really excited. I, I got to have a little chat with Madeline pre-recording so that we could kind of make sure we were, sure we were a good match. Um, and I think that your business is really interesting and would love for our listeners to hear more about it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah we're, we're very 
<laughs> so we're going to jump right in. And Julie, I just wanted to talk about um, how long have you had your passion for your interior design? Uh, that both the passion for interior design and and uh, an equestrian passion started very early in my life. I feel like it's kind of ingrained in me or in part of my heart for sure. Um, I was raised in a very creative family and I was kind of the oddball kid that would like, you know, get my siblings to change their bedrooms around and always asking for uh, and weird things like a new bed or a new uh, home decor item for Christmas while my, my siblings were asking for toys or a subscription to Architectural Digest very early on. <laughs> comic books and uh, had, had a really wonderful uh, childhood with the uh, you know, being attached to the hip with my dad who had an architectural landscape architectural firm. Um, and I had that wonderful opportunity to kind of stand beside him and watch that creative process, which caught fire to me early on. So um, that's kind of where I started in the design uh, aspect and kind of seeing things go from a drawing to a building um, and watching somebody sketch something out and then it became a reality and it really was something that I thought was pretty incredible back then they didn't really even have the computers so it was on a piece of paper from the start of a conversation at a dinner and then the next thing you know we watched sports facilities grow in our city here in, in Indianapolis so I got to kind of be on the sidelines of that it was pretty incredible and that was from a very early age so I love design from the very beginning. I think it design is a passion, much like the equestrian lifestyle. People often say that's a hobby, and I say that's not really a hobby. It's really it's really a passion. For sure, and I think those two things for me are very woven into my genetic makeup somehow. So yes, that's it's been around in my life for a long time. That's really awesome. Um, I, I just think it's so interesting because it's like such a different way for creativity. We've had other people on talking about creativity and ways like writing um, and design, like digital design and what have you, but photography. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think this is like another think, great avenue. I think interior design is so personal. Um, you have to really be, I say to people, you know, you really have to be a good listener. When people ask me about interior design, you have to be a really good listener and put your own like feelings about what you like aside. And you really have to be able to listen to the person and what they're looking for, really understand what their goals are and kind of be the interpreted interpreter of their dreams. And so when people say to me, like, what's your favorite color? Or what do you like? I never really put those things out there. I kind of think about, you know, what is that person saying to me? What does that person need? And then I kind of weave their story together so that I can create their dream. And it's really about interpreting that person's goals and, you know, story and their family and all of the stories that come together, like their, whether it's something that they've been given, a family heirloom, you know, their passions, their, their things that they love and their family story together to create an interior that is really curated, just like the dishes that you have. These are things that we love. These are the things that help define us, not in a material way, but 
they help kind of feed our soul and tell our stories individually. And I think interior design is a really wonderful way to be a part of people's lives and kind of help them create a home that is comfortable and provides security, provide, provides a safe space for, especially in the time of COVID, places for them to work, to have their family to entertain, and a safe place for them. It's even more important now as ever. Yeah. Did you see an uptick um, during COVID in business? We st- we have stayed busy all along, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, we worked all the way through COVID. We didn't really have an opportunity to shut shut down. I know people were looking for specific things because everybody needed to work from home. Yeah, um, and do that. But we had commercial projects and residential projects going all the way through COVID, and I think people were looking at things to enhance their home and um, you know make their home better and more efficient for them and. I, I'm happy to report that the homes that we have done, people enjoyed their homes. Um, yeah. You know, I got lots of calls about, you know, Julie, I can't believe like we can stay in our home and we love it. Like every day we <laughs> love it and we're not bothered by it. So that was great for me to hear. But um, I think it's super important because, you know, being an interior designer is is a special response. It comes with being a special has a special responsibility because you have to be that listener. It's not about putting your own stamp on things and being Julie's style for somebody else. It's really, if I can walk away from a home and it tells that story of that person's home, that person's family, that person's life, and they can't really tell I've been there, then I think I've done the best job ever because it's telling them about their story, not my story. And that's what I always like. I like to be that person that walks away that no one can really, of course, it might be, they can tell a designer's been there a little bit, maybe because of the resources and the textures and all of the, you know, might be a little level up from a local retailer. But (laughs) I I hope that when I walk away, it tells the story of the customer. And that way I've done my job well and um, interpreted their dreams. And I feel like that's the best, the best job that I can do as an interior designer. Sounds like you have to read between the lines quite a bit too then. Sometimes if you have two family members that are on modern <laughs> and traditional, how, how are we going to make that work, Julie? How are we going to yeah. come together? But um, we find a way. Yeah. So did you go to school to become an interior designer or an architect or what was that journey like? I did. I did attend that. But I think the... I. I was lucky enough to work with my dad's firm. I feel like my foundation was really uh, trained by a lot of really talented people in his architectural firm. I feel like I can say without a doubt that that foundation, whether it was, you know, answering phones and rolling uh, plans and doing all the grunt work at the architectural firm from the time that I put in the work when I was 15, 16 years old, to the time that I got out of school, I learned so much about business. I learned so much about people. I learned so much about every aspect of a job by really getting my hands dirty with every aspect of that business. And I think that um, school, I always felt so far ahead of what I was being trained on in school because I knew so much about what they didn't teach in school and all the all the kind of 
real life stuff that was about to hit all these poor people in their face when they got out. And I think, you know, the, the book part of it, you have to know and the terms and all those things that come along with it. But I also think that real life teaches people a lot more. And I say when people interview with me and they say to me, you know, I'm looking for a remote position. I'm like, yeah, this isn't a remote job because this is a job where if you're here and you're in our studio and you're just listening to what's happening around here, we, you know, we, you're going to learn so much just being in the studio and hearing things, being remote and being isolated away from what happens, even in the hustle and the bustle and the ups and downs and the negative and the positive and the, you know, all the crazy stuff that's happened in our industry, whether it's been, you know, the industry disruptions, the shipping charges, shipping issues, the foam problems, like we've had so many crazy things in our industry. And if you're sitting at home remote, you don't get a feel of the urgency of things. You don't understand that. So I feel like our business is such a relationship-based business. I know one of your questions talked about vendors and, you know, all those people that help make our job work. They are everybody from the construction side of it all the way through. And some of these jobs take two and three years to get through. So you can't really hide behind a phone or a text. It's like an in your face. You're going to get you're going to get it whether you whether you like it or not. And you just have to like work yourself all the way through it from start to finish if you're going to be successful. And you got to finish got to finish strong, just like in the show ring, whether you whether you chip or whether you don't make it very clear or whether you run into a horse that doesn't like the foliage and one jump, you still have to finish the round. So much like our business, you know, finishing strong is super important. And can you talk a little bit about both of your equestrian backgrounds? I'll let Madeline. We started we started this a long time ago, this equestrian thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I, I started riding when I was six years old. We grew up next to a horse farm and my mom was taking lessons there. And one day I just like jumped the fence and I went over and just started interacting with them. And um, my mom sacrificed one of her lesson spots for me. So I was able to start teaching lessons or start taking lessons. Um, and I never looked back. Um, well, you I, have to say that the trainer said, Madeline, you're not, she said, Madeline, you're not old enough to take. Yeah. Lessons. Like they're like, you're too small. You're too young. And I was determined. And I think um, she said something to the effect was I'm five going to be six, going to be seven. <laughs> goes, okay. We'll see you on Saturday. <laughs> so, I've, I've never looked back. Um, I predominantly started just riding for fun. And then it wasn't until I was like 12, 13 years old that, I borrowed a horse to compete in my first show. Um, he was just like an old school horse and we ended up being champion. And then I really kind of got my, my show itch, but yeah, it's something that it's never wavered. I've ridden basically every day, every day. Um, <laughs> I went to IU and my parents had just bought me a horse. I was like a freshman at IU and I came home. I skipped, scheduled my classes around being able to come home and train and ride Thursday. So I drive home after classes Thursday and I would drive back to IU Monday morning. Um, 
and I never wavered. I, I I've ridden every day. I'm now a new mother and am still able to get out to the barn three to four times a week. And it's something that means the most to me. And I think if I was going to stop, I would have by now. Um, and I've, I've loved it. And like I said, I, I've not taken a break since I was six years old. That's, That's great. Yes. I have pictures of her when she was so pregnant and, um, she's in the barn. I'm cleaning stalls. Like, totally. right. I mean, I'm like, have you mentioned this to Dr. Ball? You I, know, really I feel like we're getting <laughs> to that point and we've gotten the inflatable vest. I had my air vests on. I tried you know, and I was just like, I think at point, your balance is a bit off, honey. I think at this point, like you really need to think about like, this is, you know, and I think it, there was a certain point where she's like, yeah, I can kind of feel it now in my head. Well, I, knew, I knew like once my air vests didn't zip anymore, I rode till I was like 25 weeks pregnant. And then of course, mm -hmm. after I stopped riding, I was cleaning stalls, helping my trainer move jumps. Like it drove me nuts that I couldn't ride. So I was trying to just help in all the other ways I could. Um, you know, I was still there, still making their, my drive was like 35 minutes to the barn. Um, so still doing that three to four times a week and, and getting my fix in other ways. But yeah, I've, it's definitely my life. That is dedication. <laughs> and I think that, you know, part of our shared passion was, you know, even so because we had so many kids, Madeline would her group at the, one of the barns would head to Florida and, um, you know, she put her education first. She was bound to determine she was top of her class, her class. She was taking notes her senior year, the last day of school at, at IU. And the guy said to her, you don't have to take notes anymore. Like you, you're done. Like you, you, you graduated, like you're good. And she's just always been that kind of personality. She's so committed. But I think that, you know, she would ride those kids would go down to, to Wellington and she was still riding. I would go and sit there with her. And, you know, a lot of it was like, how are we going to pay for a show? Like, how are we going to do this? And so we'd always say, you know, we got to We got to save money. We got to We got to pay for this, you know? And so we started um, thinking about certain ways. And then that's when I did, I did the belt buckles and we showed on a, vendor row in Kentucky and I did pillows and uh, I did phone um, cases, phone cases socks. and socks and the furniture line took off and I had, you know, different revenue streams. And a lot of times as a business, you know, you guys doing the equestrian business to business, like a lot of times is, you know, there's a lot of downtime at those shows and you're gonna like, you know, what are we going to do? What, what, what could, what does everybody need? You know, what, what can you see a need for? And a lot of times that creative thought process comes up and you're so inspired by this beautiful sport, these beautiful animals um, and a beautiful, my, my beautiful family, you know, and um, wanting her to have that, that dream of excelling and seeing somebody so committed. I believe that her skill set of the, being in that horse world came into the business world and I can see her make her list. I can see her follow up. I can see her when she needs to like get something through her persistence, how she follows through with business. I'm like, 
everyone should have a team full of equestrians working for them. <laughs> they, That's what we have said as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, they are so, there is no like lackadaisical, like unstructured way to handle things. It's very structured. It's very boom, boom, boom. When Madeline was, had a great job before I asked her to come work for me, even though I hope it's a great job. But there was a, a project that we had that was going to require some international logistics. We have a multifaceted business. I was concerned about who I would put in charge of taking care of this particular customer. We had started the Disney project. There are certain I was like, I didn't want to put anybody in charge of what was happening on the logistics side. Our, my other daughter works for us too. Um, she's incredibly talented and great at what she does. She didn't like going to the barn. However, she did just ride a horse in South Africa and we were super proud of her for that. (laughs) (laughs) And we were really proud that she videoed it too. Um, And that's my daughter, Emma, who, who she tried to go to the barn with Emma or Madeline one time and the poo just was not going to work for her. But (laughs) I think that, you know, when Madeline came, I recognized her strength in understanding logistics because she worked for her trainer. She could speak fluent Spanish. She could get the rider to the horse, to the barn, to the, whoever get the train set up, get everything going. She could manage how many rings at a time, get everybody where they needed to be, get the, tell the trainer where she was, be able to get every. And I'm sure that there's, trainers out there still today that would take you in a heartbeat to manage their program because that's how that's how good Madeline was at that. So she got hired in in a job in human resources. You're like giving my whole body. Well it's we true. <laughs> she needed to get the talent the talent to where they needed to be in a very high level position. She didn't ever miss a beat because she was all about the logistics of getting the interviewer person in, whatever. I'm singing your praises for that because that was directly a result of you managing things when you were like, what? You drove to Michigan to Horse Shows by the Bay. You were literally just got a car, 16 years old, and you were put in a position to manage, get the barn ready, the people got there. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah, saying yeah. like, you guys know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And I, forgot, I forgot scissors. And I'm like, my only job was to open, you know, put 12 bags of shavings right. on these dolls. <laughs> I, I don't have scissors. And I'm like freaking out. No one's there yet. It's Monday morning. I found like a pair of um, nail clippers that I was able to like get the bag. She open. still did it. Yeah, I got yeah. it done. There was this moment of like the one thing you needed, you forgot, and I have all the <laughs> shavings to open, and it was like a fail moment, but I got it done. <laughs> it, it, no, it, it it actually, I see. I don't think that's a fail. I think that that like shows you, you, you know, it shows that you're resourceful, but also like it's just a good learning experience and grit. Right. Like you were going to get it done no matter what. And I think that's what so much of the equine industry is about. And I recently was talking to a friend who was kind of looking to maybe get out of the equine industry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, all the skills that you have, just like you said, logistics and, you know, organization and making sure that, you know, you're keeping animals alive. I said, you need to put those things in when you're trying to sell yourself, you know. Huge, <laughs> because there's so many people. It's huge, man. Because like, there's so many people. Like 
that they just, they're not tough. Yeah. Yeah. They're it's resilient. It's, right. They're just, they don't, it's just a different type of personality. It's just, they're just not tough. And, yeah. you know, it's just so valuable. It's just so valuable. That skill is so valuable. So Madeline, can you talk about your role in the business now and kind of what you're um, in charge of and manage there? Yeah. So I've always sort of been involved, right? As I've been the equestrian, we've been like the mother-daughter equestrian duo, um, helping her with, you know, certain themes and designs for socks and phone cases. And like I said, I ran the booth when we went to Kentucky um, during one of the horse shows where we sold some of our products. I've always sort of been involved. Um, I didn't officially become part of the team until fall 2019. Um, I was previously with Simon Property Group and Human Resources where I focused on recruiting. And um, that was a really time consuming job. And I was driving from downtown all the way up, you know, 40 miles north to get to the barn every day. It was, it was wild. Um, and I knew it wasn't sustainable. And right around the time that I was feeling that my mom had asked me seriously to join. Um, so I, I obliged and have never looked back. And so I'm the business operations side of things. Obviously I've worked with my mom for a long time. I've worked with my sister for a long time. I know their sort of design aesthetic. Um, but I always say like, I'm business ops, like I'm not going to make the design call on some things. I'm learning and starting to dip my toe into it, but I'm more the behind the scenes. So all the billing that happens to the clients, any sort of major, you know, damage claim to a piece of furniture, um, you know, shipping. a big, a lot of customer service more so than I realized. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Any, any shipping and freight kind of like supply chain issues. Um that sort of like back end type of thing. So I'm starting to help with little one-offs. Like we've got so many projects going off, going on at once that if I can step in and help a client pick a hardware, that's super easy to go in a bathroom or um, drop off samples and just, you know, get pricing, starting to do a little bit more of that side of things just to keep the ball rolling. Um, like I said, cause we have so much going on at once, but Definitely more the the behind the scenes gal of the business. And was it just a, a situational um, occurrence that made you say, okay, yes, I'm going to take this job and and do this? Or had you always kind of thought, oh, I'll, I'll kind of end up working with my mom eventually? I honestly hadn't thought that. You know, I'd, I'd always wanted, you know, I groomed for several trainers growing up. And I knew after doing that, that I wanted to have a career outside of the horse world, one mm-hmm. to help pay for the horse world. But mm-hmm. I've heard so many friends get burned out by living out of a suitcase, going to every horse show, living in hotels. Like I didn't want that. And I felt that every summer when I groomed. Um, so I just wanted to have my own separate career. And I think as I got older and as I realized like, I wanted to be at the barn more. I knew I wanted to start a family and I, I knew that my work-life balance wasn't going to be great in corporate America. Um, so I, I think at that time it was a, it was a 
an opportunity, yes, to help my mom and be a part of the family business, but also selfishly to prioritize my own family and work-life balance um, and be able to ride more. And that was ultimately which led me to to take the job. Yeah. What for this is for both of you, what's the best part of about working with family? I think for me, I'm really lucky, like I have so many friends that talk to their mom and siblings like once a week, once a month, you know, and there isn't a day that goes by that I don't talk to my mom or my sister, you know, and like, that's something super special. And it was funny. Like I'm the oldest of four kids coming into the business. And now my little sister is like training me. So that was a a fun, weird dynamic, you know, (laughs) my whole life, she's been like my little shadow that I've trained. So, um, it's different, but it's fun and it's super rewarding. And, um, my mom works so hard and it's been so, it's just amazing to watch her every day, um, manage all of her clients and she never turns off. Like I will leave the office at five and try and turn off. And she's got clients texting her, you know, through the night and, and she Mm -hmm. always texts back and makes herself available. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been a fun experience. Somehow I knew you were the oldest. I was going to ask that earlier, but I was like, oh, I'm the oldest of three. So I yeah. was like, oh, this is describing I me. The, I fit the mold for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say one of your questions was the, you know, the drawback of the yeah. mom. So I'm trying very hard because I work like that. Um, you know, this, my dad taught me the importance of building relationships in business. That is something that you should not ever take for granted. And so that has always been a key priority for me. And I hope that I, I, I share that with my team all the time that you do not ever take for granted someone that comes to your business and wants you to do their home or their be a part of their, you know, process because they could go to anybody for their work, right? So you always want to value that person that comes to you. So for me, I have been trained that way from a very early age that those relationships are so valuable. Now, fast forward now 30 years, a lot of, we have people that came back that were holding Madeline when she was a baby, you know, people that were in my life, 25 years ago and they're redoing something, you know, and they're walking in, they're like, Madeline, Emma, Mm -hmm. you know, these are people they've seen since they were so little. That being said, people that you work with for a long period of time almost become your extended family. So you don't not respond to them. Right. So for Mm -hmm. me, I understand for the girls, like they want mom and they want work mom. So I'm trying very hard, which it was difficult in the beginning because for me, I'm like, well, that's Mrs. So-and-so we have to respond to her because she's a client. So five o'clock to me is that's not even the end of the day for me ever. So that seems to me if, if she something's on fire in her mind, like I have to respond to her, right. To put her out so that I can have an evening. But for the girls, their work-life balance, which I've never had in my whole life, (laughs) 
I don't know what that even means. You know, I don't shut off until everybody's quiet. So my work-life balance says if everybody's quiet, everybody's good. Even if I was at home making macaroni and cheese for the kids or at the barn or whatever, I was still responding to people to make sure everybody's fires were out before I was done. Right. Yeah. The girls, I'm just trying very hard to be respectful for them to make sure that I can, I can handle everything after five. Usually it's five until, you know, 6am. I take all that. And then if I need them, I have to say, you guys, I'm sorry, but I need your help. I don't know how to answer this particular question. And there are logistics that I don't know. And I have to tell the customers, I'm sorry, but I passed that role on to the girls and I cannot answer your question. I can, if you can wait till the morning, I'll answer that. But I will respond to everybody that way because they're expecting me a little bit. And when you have your phone where people text you, mm-hmm. most people text me, they don't even email me. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like that open communication that that you want because you want your people to, to respond to you that way, or you, you respond to them. And in construction, if something's not done or, you know, it holds up other people, if the builder's calling us or a fabricator or something like our question might be what delays the project tomorrow. So it's like, those are, those are things that we work through as a family and say, okay, that's an important, I have to make that call. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that can wait, I worked really hard now to try to just really not ask those guys the questions and just say, mm-hmm. okay, this is mom asking you about Wessie. This is mom asking you about AJ, his day. It's not mom, work mom now asking you about so-and-so's obscure thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't help myself, but. Yeah, I think that's been the most difficult thing is navigating like the line, the line of mom and boss and like, mm trying to remind myself like if we if I feel differently that it doesn't matter that I feel differently that she's the boss and it goes whereas like our mother-daughter relationship I I can argue with her and I can always give my opinion so it's just like navigating when that's appropriate and when it's not um you know and trying to to be a good role model for the other girls that aren't part of the family in the office right, right. and not have the family dynamic be too you know, overwhelming to the non-family members. Yeah, that's interesting having three of you in the office. How does that work with the other members that you have? We're pretty sure they're all going to side with me. <laughs> <laughs> you are the boss. Yeah. Sure. They love me. They're all siding with me. Yeah. <laughs> We've been fortunate to pull some um, really great gals out of the interior design. Um, uh, what do you want to call it? Like, interior design program at Purdue. Um, and oddly enough, we all are Kappas. Like we didn't even, that's not even an interview question, but we all like were part of the cap cap gamma sorority. And so it's funny. We just must like naturally gravitate towards like, you know, like-minded people. Um, (laughs) so we've, it's been great, you know, and it's very close. Like, and I think they like that too. Like it's very personal, um, they feel they are an extension of our family. They feel like part of our family. They know we all know what's going on in each other's lives and um, we treat each other like family. So it's, it's worked out really well for us. I just have to like, keep preparing myself. They're leaving, they're leaving, they're leaving, they're leaving. Cause I cry every single time when someone leaves. Cause I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
but they're young and they're going to go. And I just have to not take it personally anymore because they will say like, you know, I'm always, I, I, I love hard. And so when somebody goes and moves on, I'm always just like, Oh, you know, yeah. it's hard for me, but I think people don't stay. Yeah. People don't hard. stay in jobs for as long as they used no. to. So um, I think that's, I was my prior, prior company, like there was a 20 year club. Um, and I worked there five years, was which was a big stretch for like someone right out of school. But yeah, I mean, you're, we're seeing people not yeah. for any bad reason, just changing um, positions every two, three years. Yeah, it's hard. It's very hard when you're running the business, though, because really you know, the, the amount of time that you have to put into, you know, introducing somebody to the company and what they do and training them and getting them to the point where they're it's doing so a great hard. job and then they're like okay bye <laughs> yeah it's hard well, not to take personally. the next the it next, is especially when they're young it's like you train them and then you know that the next the next company is actually going to get the benefit of it exactly yeah you know? and so it's just like when my when my dad passed away um you know he was 69 he was so young but what i learned was that his funeral was so big and so many people were there were his students and people that had worked with him. And, you know, I, as hard as it is, it's, you know, you try so hard to not make it personal, but when it's such a small operation, it's so personal, but I'm trying very hard to just like, I love when those people reach out to me. I, I like getting notes and in social media. I like when they're following what we're doing because all of those people that have come through our door you know, I did the furniture line. It was 2011. And all of those people that have come through our door during that time have been such a special part of all of my family's lives because it is a small business. And they've all been instrumental in our growth as a team and our business. And I'm so grateful for that. And I always do wish everybody well. And it is hard, but you kind of wish you could bring them all back together at some point, but everybody's lives change and go on and move and go to different places in the world. And, you know, at this point, you know, I'm grateful. I feel very lucky to have had such talent in, in our office. And, and uh, I'm glad that, you know, it's been a stepping stone for other people's success as well. And I think my dad taught me that. And, you know, just as you're offering a platform to advise people on business. I think it's so important nowadays, especially when people are kind of searching for what, what they can do and where their passion can ignite, you know, to, to be better, to do better things. I think it's super important too that, you know, you always look back to where you've been and who's helped you along the way. And I think those are super important too, because the young people that come through your door, you always want someone to leave and feel better that they've learned something and they're going to carry something positive, you know, onto the next step. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Not every day is a great day in our business because it's a hard business. I think people think interior design is often just about picking colors and, you know, picking paint. And there's a lot of influencers in our industry where make it, they make it look by just kind of addressing you know, a couple little things together and say, this is a coffee bar or this is whatever. And so it looks kind of like, here's the coffee bar. <laughs> they link everything, and it's just this yeah. weird fast track, like way yes. now. Well, yeah, our, you never our, really know how long it took to achieve yeah. that and how much time and business, hours went into it. You know, you, you just have to 
tell the client that it's going to be worth the wait and and hopefully they they appreciate you and they trust us and they're patient and it works out but yeah it's definitely it's it's frustrating at times yeah and um going back to you know talking about the dynamic in your office was having an all women staff a conscious decision or is it just the way it works out with the people that you found we really don't we we take applications for everybody yeah it wasn't it's funny you when i read that question it's like that's not something we've ever consciously like yeah. made a decision on i think it works being a small office and all being women like it sort of lends itself to like i don't know it, it works out that way because it is super small like we're literally right on top of each other I think um, we've had I think we've had um, a gentleman apply, but he was, I mean, I want to say he was international or somewhere. He was out of the country, or he was he was going to relocate, and I was worried about him relocating yeah. for an internship or something. We have several yeah. like reps from companies that we work with that are men. Um, obviously, a lot of our contractors and trades are are men, and yeah. we all it you know it's never been a really something we've even thought about it's it all works it all works yeah. well I think with my mom having so much skin in the game and just having most people know her name in the midwest or at least in Indiana and um that the trades know her have heard of her have seen their work um seen her work and so it we, everyone works really well together yeah. yeah yeah I don't I don't I don't really see I think our industry isn't I think if you do your job well, I, I I think it doesn't really matter if you're male or female. And I think, you know, I think, I think from a standpoint of, I think we have a strong, we do our job really well and I can be pretty strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think because we are always very prepared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And very transparent. And yeah, you know. I think we do our job really well. So Madeline, what is the key? What would you say the key is to keeping the office uh, running smoothly? I think for me, there's different types of personalities. For me, it's like, okay, you know, as she said earlier, like I'm a list maker, right? And it's like, okay, if this is on the list to get done, it can't just like live on the list as something to get done. Like it needs to be addressed and get done and check the box. You know, that's not like, <laughs> you know, it's like the, the hardest thing to have a job, our office running smoothly is for everyone to keep moving and keep the momentum moving forward because there is so much happening all the time. And with everything happening all the time, with construction and all these weird things going on, there's always something that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to keep everybody going forward because there's always these distractions that are major problems. Yeah. It's like a little bit it's of a fire drill culture that, you know, like we could, we could set our minds to work on one thing during the day. Well then one client's calling because she's got the electrician there. They're hanging the sconces. The measurement's not right. Like all of a sudden you, we have to jump and shift gears to that client. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of that. There's always like, yeah. you know, and we have like the electrician's in her home. Like we have to drop everything and help her with that. So it's, and then being able to go back. So again, I think it's forced me to be a little bit more fluid and flexible because <laughs> we have to, it, that's just how it is, you know? And right. for me, I don't get frazzled. 
Yeah, but for me, the type A that's like trying to check my list, it's like, okay, are we going to go back to what we were working on? You know, so it's just kind of just trying to just, you know, navigate each day like that. And Yeah, I was wondering as a list maker how you handled that because I feel like, uh, yeah, that would give me a lot of anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> when I'm like jumping from project to project, like not being able to have like a clear, okay, I know today I'm just going to do this and it's going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> no. So that's like what I do. Yeah, for that's sure. Hard for, that's very hard for people that come into our office that are not prepared for that type of work environment mm-hmm. because they are. So if we're, they're working on CAD or they're working on something and we're, we're, we're starting down a path which seems like, oh, it's this is going to be such a great day. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get a request. Well, it's not a priority request, but it is a priority request because it might be something that, you know, they need something immediately on a job site somewhere outside the state. And if we don't get that to them, then that's going to hold up production for something else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but we didn't know that we needed that. We didn't know that that was on our list from that particular customer, but they need our help because they didn't have the information mm-hmm. from that person. We didn't know we even needed to give it to them, but we're going to give it to them because they need it and we're the people that can provide it. So I think the strength that I bring is that I, I pretty much can remain calm at, on all accounts. Every once in a while, I fly off the handle and become <laughs> alphaba. But for the most part, I'm very calm through most of it. And I can just kind of ebb and flow with it. And I can call the customer, figure out what we need and figure out what we're doing. And I require no list. And I have an uncanny ability to remember almost every no, like her list is in her head of constantly. everything. So and I can tell like where I am and be able to kind of shut that tab, open that tab, shut that tab, open that tab and be able to like go. And then run onto a job site and be able to like make a conscious decision for something that is based on all the 25 decisions we made prior. But that just comes with a lot of training and being able to like visualize things. But experience. Yeah. 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 But I think this business is put us in a situation where, you know, you have to be thoughtful and very intentional. And if you, I tell the girls all the time, do not make a decision quickly. You know, this fast pace, I want this now kind of thing. You don't make a million dollar decision because that's a million dollar mistake that I have to make. I have to take care of. So I'm always about saying, stop, don't answer that. Let's make sure we have all the ducks in a row before Mm -hmm. anyone answers that question. And don't feel pressured when everybody who's pushing that fast pace, jumping quick, 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 quick. We have to have this decision. No, stop. Get all the information together. Let's put all the pieces together. Let's decide if that's right. Let's measure twice, figure it out, double check our work. Because I think too often now people want that quick response. They want that information. And if we're going to be the one that provides that, it's up to us to do our job well and double check, triple check, keep doing that. And it's funny, recently someone said to me, you know, I triple check. I'm like, gosh, that's so funny. You say that I, I do the same thing. I always want them to go back, double check, triple check. 
Yes. Because we're putting something out there that's real. And oftentimes the younger girls that come on or the kids that come on, they, they don't realize they're putting into CAD what's going to be built. And then all of a sudden they see it built. And I'm like, see, this is real. It's just lines on the screen, but we're doing lines on the screen that's actually going to be built. You know, you've just come out of school. This is real. So you need to double check it. Go field measure it. Ask for them in Orlando when we're working on the Disney project to field measure it there because we're not physically there. But those guys are there. They can field measure it. Double check right. it. Double check it. We don't want to make a mistake for the team. So I think that that slows the momentum down and that does what we need it to do because this is a very, as people think this is like a fluffy business or, you know, whatever our, our decisions and the things that we make and people rely on us every day to make big decisions. They and they're spending a lot of money on it. Yes. Yeah. And they, yeah. affect, they affect the outcome of many other decisions every day. And so yeah. we have to be very intentional about what we do. Similar to, I think, what I do in kind of the PR marketing world. Every time I have an intern or somebody come on and they're working at horse shows, and I say, if you are asked a question that you don't know the answer to, don't answer it. Don't yep. make something up. Don't say, oh, well, I think it's this. No. You say, I don't know. I will have the answer for you as soon as possible. And then you go and get the information because, yeah, I think it's so important that you know, people who are coming into a business that aren't experienced and, and don't have all of those answers in their head, like you might need to learn that it's okay to say, I don't know, and I will get back to you. <laughs> well, yeah, and, in our, and, and when you think about staying with your business, like you're fact checking, like you're double checking, mm -hmm. you have to go and see all of the things that came before, because if you're putting something out there, it's there. That's, that affects your integrity. Yeah, exactly. And that affects what you put out into the world. Yeah. And so I, that to me is always like, you know, I always want to say like, that's us as a team, but that's me too. And so, you know, mm -hmm. you guys are an extension of me and my request is that we double check that. Yeah. I would rather wait, you know, a couple more hours and not answer that email until I know for certain that you guys had double checked all that. Right. Because the minute it goes out, you can't take it back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's printed, it's there and you're yes, not, totally and if you change it, you look like you can't do your job. That's <laughs> yeah. a huge takeaway from, you know, from business, I think. And for sure. Yeah. Very, very good lesson to share for sure. One of the most exciting things that happened to me was there was a, a that beautiful equestrian magazine that was like in Germany, I think it was, I, I would have to pull it out, but they did this beautiful spread. I couldn't read any of it, of course, um, <laughs> and had the most beautiful cover. And then those Harley chairs, I had um, the Yonkers Ottomans, which had the bit on them as well. My, I had a, a lamp that year that had the cut, um, uh, stirrups. stirrups on them and then something else um, that I had and it was featured right next to Hermé um, and uh, Gucci like the top <laughs> fashion brands and I remember thinking oh my gosh this is the most incredible thing ever you know and one of the things I said to Malin which which 
for me, when when I started doing the furniture, I did these two ottomans. And there's we have pictures of them. And there's one in the office where my dad uh, had a pair of Gucci loafers. And when he passed away, I mean, it was such extraordinary grief that I just I didn't even know what to do with myself because I just I just adored him. And he would resole his Gucci shoes. They were his navy blue Gucci loafers, and he didn't—he didn't even want new ones. He just would take them down to the, the shoe store, and they would resole them. And they were these just softest leather ever. So, as kind of a tribute to him, when I did the furniture line, I did these two ottomans that had that had the bits on two sides, and then this beautiful stitching on the top. And I called them the Yonkers ottomans, and um, they were basically symbolic of his loafers which use in a study or you could use them somewhere and they did so well and that was my way of kind of channeling my grief and like creating this furniture line at the time and kind of honoring him in my own little way of uh of his loafers and how great it was for me to kind of weave in my equestrian passion with the fashion of the brand for him, which he loved. And, um, you know, he was so instrumental in what my life and, and, uh, it was such a nice tribute and they did so well at market. And, um, I, I, I won't sell the one in my office cause it is something that it's, I mean, I'm going to keep forever probably, yeah. but, um, you know, just a nice way to kind of show that, that how that kind of weaved into my life and started the furniture brand as well. Mm-hmm. And Madeline, something that you said really struck me of saying, you know, sometimes you turn down work um, because it doesn't fit what you guys do. And I think that's really important for business owners to understand. And we've talked about it a, a few times with people in knowing, you know, what your business is, what it is you do best. And and sometimes you do have to say to people, I'm not the right person for you and and turn down business. And I think that is very hard for some people to do or to understand, especially if you're just starting out and and you need the money. But, you know, once you get to a certain point saying this isn't going to work or um this isn't knowing in, internally this isn't going to make my business look good if I if I do this job and um I thought that was interesting for you guys to you know recognize and be able to point that out too and like you said it definitely is hard and it, it doesn't happen very often but um it, it definitely does happen and I think and and it's not you know it's not malicious or it's not negative mm-hmm. it's just sort of like if you love what you found online so much, like go ahead and just order that, you know? Yeah. Well, and I also think it's such a personal relationship Mm -hmm. too, that when we, when we sit down and we meet with somebody, I'll always say at the beginning, I'll always say like, this relationship is so important to us. So like when we have a conversation and I'll always say like, you know, we want you to meet us and talk to us and then, it has to be reciprocated on both sides too. So like we have to feel like we're aligned well with each other. And so that when we walk away, especially if it's somebody that's building or somebody that's going to be in our lives for a long time. And mm-hmm. when we walk away from that 
introduction meeting, we, we always say, you know, we'll part friends. If it doesn't work out, we'll be totally fine with that. There's no obligation. There's no charge to come meet with us. And yeah. then when we walk away, we say, you know, if it doesn't work out on either side, there's no hard feelings either way. We just want to make sure it's a good fit so that, like you said, you know, there's, it's not good for you. It's not good for us. It just doesn't feel right. There's probably somebody else for you as well. So mm-hmm. that you feel like, you know, it's not a good fit. But a lot of times people like Madeline said, they don't really tell you, you know, they don't really tell you what they're looking for. And yeah. um, so you find yourself in this uncomfortable situation of, you know, you pick it out and then they want to buy it for less yeah. expensive. Yeah. So, right. Right. We tried, we have to charge fees now because of that. Right. And, uh, we didn't need to do that, but now we do charge a sizable design fee on the front end just because we have to protect ourselves in a business situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's knowing what you're worth. Right. And, and knowing, saying my experience and my knowledge is why we charge X amount, or this is what it's going to cost for you to use us. And because of that, you, you are getting the best and, and you're getting my decades of experience. Um, and, that is sometimes hard, I think, for people to understand, you know, they want the best deal or, you know, they, they feel like they should, they don't understand all of the time and effort that goes into some of these decisions that seem simple to them, you know, just picking a couch. (laughs) I, I completely fall into the same thing is, you know, oh, just send out a press release. Well, that press release takes you know how many hours to put together and research and talk to people and source photos and set up and everything so it's um yeah i think knowing what you're worth and asking for it and and really sticking to it is is hard for people to do sometimes totally i always think it's it's i'm glad that they think we're so good that we can do it so fast but right (laughs) yeah you know but at the same time you're kind of like if I did it that fast, then that would mean I put no thought into it at all. Yeah. So, right. And so, <laughs> or you can do like, something fast because it. you've been you've done it for so long. <laughs> yeah. And but you're still going to get that quality yeah. in that amount of time. Yeah. 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 It's just you're you're right in that because you do have to do our business very similar to that because we do have to do all of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. it's a process, even if it's sure. like. If it, it doesn't matter if that person is looking for, you know, uh, wall covering for one room or, you know, bathrooms for six, we're doing <laughs> bathrooms for six, you know, six bathrooms in a house, you know, it's the same process. We still have to do the same. We go through the same routine mm-hmm. yeah. much regardless of whatever the, whatever the task is. Yep. What is your best design tip that you can share? I think following your gut and always adding something to the room that you love. And I think it's super important to bring a family heirloom or something fun into the, into a room that shares part of a story. I've always been, it's very hard for me to go into a place where everything is brand new and there's no trace of anybody that has ever been in your life before. 
think it's very important to bring some some part of your past and your family, something you love, and to try to try to look at some things that you have as as a collection or something that kind of helps bring who you are into your interior. I think that really starts to share a story. And I think that starts to kind of help bring in warmth into an interior instead of kind of copying things that are out there and not allowing that kind of personalizing a space to come through. And I think anytime somebody follows their gut or goes after kind of creating a room around something they love, I, I don't think they're ever disappointed because mm-hmm. I, they love a color or if they love a place that they've been or, you know, something that their family has given them an heirloom or a treasure that will help drive a room and they'll always love it. You agree? Yeah. I think it's so easy these days with social media for people to, to just, follow the trends and I think it, it expires. Right. So I think just, you know, if it's worth the wait, order the unique pieces and, and go for the unique pieces and everything looks good filtered on Instagram, you know, and, and quickly curated. And I think take your time. Yeah. Like I would much rather be timeless than to be trendy, you know? Mm. Right. Well, we've had so much fun talking with you about, your relationship and your company and and how you guys work together. Um, and at the end of each episode, we ask the same four questions um, to guests. And Connor starts with the first. What's one action that women can take to make a big difference in their lives? I would say um, taking time to be quiet, be still and listen to your, just listen to your kind of inner voice of what you need. I think it's so, everything is so loud around us. There's a lot going on with your phone, with everything going on. And I think it's super important now to really listen to kind of your inner voice to make sure that you're listening to what you need. I think being still, and that's something that I've just learned to do over the last couple of years. I I never had done that before. And I really think that that has made a big difference in like, just my creative, my creativity, my organization, you know, just being a better leader. And I think just taking time to be quiet. And um, I think that's super important. Working out is is a big one for me. Um, I think, I don't know, trying to really be present. It's really difficult for me to always be thinking of the future, worrying about my horse and my child, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm so trying to anticipate problems before they happen. I think just like trying to be present because it can get really overwhelming and Mm -hmm. um, cloudy in your brain, you know? So just trying to, in my own personal life at work, like just like be in the moment, take a deep breath, like everything's going to be okay, you know? And Julie, what's the best habit that keeps you motivated personally? I think getting up really early. I like getting up really early. Um, and I like getting lots of sleep. But I think getting up early in the morning, I think um, having a little morning time before I start my day. Um, I think I do reading. I uh, kind of take, I think that's... Puzzles. Yeah. I think getting getting up and um, having that time. 
Um, and I, I think trying to, the girls have really challenged to read a lot. I think mm -hmm. we're all reading a ton of different books now. Um, and sharing books, sharing which has books. been fun. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that's been a really fun addition to what we're doing. So getting up, getting sleep, and trying to read. <laughs> and Julie, what's your favorite horse movie? Hands down, uh, Secretariat. It's both of our favorite horse movies. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I watched that movie a million times. I could watch it every day. And I said to Mel, I can remember just a couple times when we were launching something or I had to keep something close to my heart about, you know, that I couldn't tell anybody about that was coming to market or something. And, you know, I can remember just being in the car crying and laughing, saying, you're about to see something you haven't seen before. And I love that line. <laughs> and had such inspiration from that movie. And I just, I think that movie represents so many great things and about a woman and her family and supporting her family. And I see just a lot of greatness in that movie. And uh, Julie, who would you recommend to be a future guest on this podcast? I was I was saying to Madeline, we worked with a gal who was. Um, I asked her to look at her. Up. It's Melanie Smith. It's Melanie Smith Taylor. She's yeah. Taylor. You know, yes. she's very well known. I mean, she. I I wrote down all of the things. We did a clinic. She came to our barn, and we did a clinic. She was so with her amazing, and, and I think so much that she taught had so many connections to business about yeah. all the little things matter and center your horse, center yourself, um, turn away, don't look at the barn, you know, just, um, there were so many things in there that I wanted to just like say from an equestrian standpoint, how much they parallel business. Yeah. And I, I said to Madeline before we started, I said, you know, I really feel like she would be such a wonderful person because I often think back, she, she said, there is no plan B, there's always only a plan A. And I think about that often, even though that was an equestrian thing. Right. Um, but I think about that often because the littlest effort makes a big, the littlest detail is a big detail. Like all mm. about riding and your leg and all these things, they are so attributed, to, I think, to success in business. And yeah. um, I thought she would make a wonderful uh person if you know a guest she's amazing you. and you just want to hear her speak you know like she's, <laughs> yeah she's amazing i have a friend of mine that um went to tcu rode for the team you know now is starting a, a media business so um her name's courtney i can give you her information i think that would be really cool and then also my oddly enough are like i don't know that i call her like my broker for um our horse insurance. Her name is Dawn and I've been with her for 10 years. She's the most lovely woman. And, um, she's a horsewoman, has horses, works full time, you know, helped us the Equisport insurance, um, brokerage team. And, and I don't know totally about her background, but, um, she's absolutely lovely and amazing. And, insurance with horses is, is difficult and mm -hmm. um, yep. navigating the claims and all that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm far yeah. too familiar with that. Um, but yeah, I, I think she could bring a cool perspective because I think a lot of people don't know that you can insure them or a lot of times people don't, but I think that may be a cool one to help educate people 
on on why it is so important and to to take the opportunity to ensure if you can afford it. Yeah, but right. she also is a businesswoman outside of that. So I thought it would be, yeah. I can give you her information. I think she would be cool. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. It was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah thank that you. Awesome. So thank you. That was nice to talk to Julie and Madeline today. Uh, it's the first time we've had kind of family members that work together on the podcast. So I think that brought something new and different. Um, it's also the first time we've had two people on in a while. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to get back to that sort of um, change in conversation. Yeah. It, it's nice to have that um, different perspective and, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, also I liked that, you know, they talked a lot about their business and the dynamics of their business and working as a family because um, mm-hmm. it's not just the two of them. They have another family member in it as well. So I, I really liked listening to that and how um, they negotiate through that. And I think one of the things that struck me in the beginning when Julie was talking about uh, from a young age, learning about how important relationships are and building relationships in business. And like, I mean, we've, we've talked about it quite a bit, but I'm, I really enjoy that part, the networking part. I mean, I think that that is um, important. And I think that that helps build such a great business when you have those relationships with uh, different people. Yeah, especially when you're in a service industry like hers, where, you know, she has to get to know people and know what will suit them best and, and what works for them, you know, in their home and their business, wherever she's designing. And um, that's really important. And um, you know, like I, I felt like our companies, her, co- you know, their company and my com- my main company, kind of parallel very closely in in how we work with customers and what we provide. And um, I saw a lot of comparisons that yeah. that were very close to what I do as well. And um you know, being able, like ours is kind of being able to speak in their voice and, and make them sound the best. And hers was understanding what their needs and, and making a comfortable and uh, home for them. Yeah. And it kind of, you, you also have to read between the lines too, and kind of take what people are saying and, you know, make it the best version and same thing with, with them taking people's ideas. I mean, gosh, I, I was thinking about it. I watch a lot of those design shows and sometimes I'm like, how can you take those two kind of ideas and, and put them together and, you know, it come out good. And sometimes people say they want one thing and then they're like, Oh wait, no, that's not actually what I wanted. Right. Um, Once they see know, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh, that, that's not what I thought that meant. So um, I think being able to listen to people. And I, I also found it interesting when she was talking about how, she doesn't feel like she has the work-life balance, but then she's trying mm-hmm. to do that for her daughters, which is nice that she can recognize that as a boss and as mm-hmm. a mother to like, um, you know, she expects so much of herself, but she's not necessarily putting that onto her girls. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was interesting. And, but I think I wondered, and I should have asked if that was, if she thought that was a generational thing and not just a mm-hmm. personality thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I wonder that too. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and and her um, when she talked about the real life going into school and having all the real life experience, mm. I feel like sometimes I feel like 
that would be so good if people had some real life experience before they went into school so that they understood what they need to get out of going to school. Right. And you know? why you're learning it and how to apply it. Yeah. You know, and, and I've heard like when I took the insurance course, um, I heard somebody say that, you know, they had to take the course in order to get their license and to pass, but they had worked in insurance so long that it was almost hard to do the course because it was different in the real world. You know, right. like this real world of it's it. Not so black and yeah. white of question and answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I wish that I had worked a little more in business or, you know, had a f- more experience before I went into school that I feel like that might have helped me have more direction when I went in, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, I went in for psychology when I went into college, not business. And then I switched. But you know, if I had had experience in more of a business setting, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, like, I know that I want to do this. And is it marketing or is it management or is it, you know, economics or something else, you know? Yeah. So you can find the links to today's guests and the show notes at www.eqbusinesswomen.com. Equestrian B2B is out twice a month on the 1st and the 15th. You can find out more at eqbusinesswomen.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Find Equestrian B2B wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow, subscribe, and leave a review so more people can find us. You can have all 20 plus shows of the Horse Radio Network with you wherever you go with their free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Now go make it meaningful. Meaningful. 